Yeah, I see. I, I used to do that type of Harry match, not online, but like in person, with like sports teams. And yeah, the way you kind of do it is if like someone goes like Seattle Supersonics, and I'm like, yo, I'm the heavyweight champ of this heavenly plan. I ball like Kevin Durant. You know how I do it. Shoot like Rashad Lewis, you stupid. Like I said, I said, you know how you do it because I went to Rashad Lewis. Guys are already thinking of him. So that's kind of how you do it is you're like, while you're doing that, while you're building that last thing, like you're already good, you set up the next line because it's not that hard to change rhyme schemes and rap. You just got to be ready for what you're going to say next. And people like the effect of it. It's like being a magician and people are like, whoa, how'd you just do that? You know, that was like a weak example, but like, because people were like, how did you do that in real time? It actually. Hip hop hustle podcast, man. You heard it here first. He's not playing. No, Aaron's not playing. No fucking game. You got your ear to the streets, man. Much love to all the people down under. And make sure y'all follow the Hip Hop Hustle podcast, man, because they're giving y'all nothing but the real shit. But yeah, man, appreciate the intro, bro. Yeah, let's do it, man. Let's kick it off. Shout out to the whole Hip Hop Hustle podcast. What's up with it? Welcome to the Hip Hop Hustle podcast. Uh, Super excited about my next guest, Canyon. Um... I'm hoping I say it right. I think my accent kind of throws things off sometimes. Um, yes, hell yeah. Hell yeah. It's like first time in a while where I've got like the name right off the bat without like pre pre having a discussion to how to pronounce it. But Canyon is obviously on the show. He just dropped a brand new album called Punches with some heavy hitters literally in the game. King Crooked, Raekwon, uh, Big Rube, Dizzy Wright. Um, it is absolutely fantastic and you do it all on there you also have a new track that came out friends as well that just came out so man uh you're you're absolutely doing it all in 2022 how's it feel thank you man i'm just i'm laying the foundation right now you know uh i was just watching your interview with la russell like i think la russell someone i definitely look up to and uh you know i was thinking about it i'm like obviously you know he's come out with a bunch of albums and i think he's super dope and that's someone I kind of look up to. And I'm at an earlier stage, but if you're catching me now, you're definitely catching someone who's going to be fucking big and not too much time from now. So it's been a big 2022, but we're definitely not done. And I, you say all that stuff's big and I'm like, yeah, but you don't know what I got coming. So <laughs> I'm excited. Well, I did read that you had a plan for uh, a Grammy. Well, that was a goal for you at some point. Um, but it feels like, you know, like, I don't know, from my perspective, it feels like you're just finding like your music and your goal is the music. If the Grammy comes, it comes, but if yeah. it doesn't, it's like all about yourself at the end of the day. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I said that, I think in an interview and obviously like a Grammy would be surreal. I'm not going to sit here and be like, Oh, fuck the Grammys, you know, but like, I do think that you can't really put your, um, your goals on like someone else's shelf. You know what I'm saying? Like you gotta, you gotta be like, I'm going to make fucking legendary music and it's going to change the world. I, so yeah, I'd love a Grammy, but, that's not the what I think when I'm going in the booth by any means. I think it would be a weird place for you to be if you're like, I have to win a Grammy. Because you wouldn't make music that's your own. You would make music that was purely for Grammy's sake. And, you know, we, we all talk. I mean, there's lots of discussion in hip hop, especially about the real relevance of the hip hop Grammy, because like they don't seem to be in tune with what's happening in the scene anyway. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely true. I remember there's the, the whole Macklemore uh was it kendrick i don't know but it was so yeah i mean i think that people know that like it's not like the grammys are the people who decide who the best rappers are i mean honestly there's a lot of people who decide who the best rappers are it's it's kind of different but i don't think the grammys are somebody who people even would list in the top 10 
that said, you win a Grammy, it's obviously like a huge accolade. So, yeah, it's kind of weird. You you kind of want it, but you kind of don't want it at the same time. It's like you're kind of damned if you do, you're damned if you don't, in a way. But hopefully, by the time you win one, it's changed. It becomes relevant again. Yeah, fuck it if I don't, though, for real. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I'm going for. But yeah, no, I mean, the album Punches uh, it is definitely an incredible album. Like you said, it's got a lot of legends on it. Um, the music that I have coming, I think what you'll see is it's kind of like, when I say it's the foundation, I don't mean that it's kind of basic. It's very, it's a very expansive world kind of, I feel like that I'm creating in, in punches. It's almost like the first star Wars, right? It's like, all right, what's in this world. And I think as we start to get a little bit deeper in my story, my songs, kind of my flows, my cadences, my creativity, I think people will see that, uh, that is really just kind of the beginning. They'll look back at it as like, oh, I really fuck with that. And I think it will kind of have a classic perception with time. But I think people will see the directions I can go because I think versatility is really my biggest skill. Well, how do you work on your versatility? Like, how is that something that develops? That is, I think, that is like curiosity. I think that is that is how you work on your versatility. If you are an artist that is like, enamored by making songs you're probably more likely to be really versatile and i think you know there's probably artists that people will say they should have stayed in their lane more they should have kept making that traditional sound that that the people like by them but like i do think that anybody who doesn't kind of expand on their sound is ultimately like no one wants to listen to the same thing over and over again um so i think the way i work on my versatility is i really like making songs like you know i uh smoke a joint and I'll listen to beats and it's just kind of like a baseball player or a cricket player kind of taking pitches. And one of them is going to be the one that I like hit out of the fucking park. And then I just ride that, but I'm not thinking like, yo, let me make another friends or let me make another reservations or let me make another consistency or millennials or by no means am I thinking that it's just like, which one in me, it's almost like a person like that you have chemistry with a person. It's like, I hear this beat and it's like, you kind of feel the flow and it just works and you're like, yeah, I got, and then next thing it's two hours later and you got like a fucking awesome song. So it doesn't really, if you don't kind of have an aim, you can end up anywhere. That's interesting. Do you, do you listen to the, for the pockets that you can work in or do you just listen to like the feeling of the beat? I think I feel the pockets. That's a big thing with freestyling though. Like when you freestyle on a beat, you start to, I don't know. I guess if I'm calling about like a person, it's like you're kind of starting to dance with the beat and then you start to feel the pockets. You're like, Ooh, okay. I could start to do something a little slower there. That'll make this beat feel completely different. Uh, it's kind of crazy. Like even really basic beats. If you start doing like a kind of counter flow, all of a sudden you're like, yo, this beat's actually kind of crazy. So you can bring out things in sounds. Um, but yeah, I definitely kind of look and feel for the pockets in the beat. And that's why I like so many different types of beats. It's not like, like producers a lot of times will be like, do you want, kind of like I'd be with a lot of samples or, you know, do you want something that's like, I don't know what pop punk or whatever. And I'm like, I don't know. Like it literally it just send me like 50 beats and like by like number 14, I'm going to click with one. I, I don't really know. I'm not getting in there. Like today's pop punk day. You know, I don't really feel like that. Yeah. I always find it weird when artists like have a very specific, like this is the specific sound I'm going, like it's very almost forced in a way sometimes. And like, I think, a lot of people struggle like with studios because they're like, you know, this song that you made organically that one time, we want 10 of those. And yeah. then it's like a forced, it doesn't become the creative process anymore. It becomes, all right, here's a, a goal on a whiteboard and now I got to complete it. And it just kind of takes away the 
I don't know the the natural nature of music. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's kind of like if you said I'm going to invent something. You might not invent something cool, like you're just trying super hard. It's not authentic, but if all of a sudden you're like, "Yo, this shit is really bothering me. I need to make a wheel to move this shit a mile." That's probably the guy who's going to invent the wheel, not some guy who's never moved a barrel. So it's got to be authentic. That's the same thing with music. It's got to be real. Do you do people come to you a lot and ask for your opinion on? like their music, their process. I mean, I think like you obviously do what works for you, but do you have takes on what other people do? Yeah, I do. I mean, people come to me and, you know, it's, it's kind of tough because like I know how music is and you got to be real with people, but you also like maybe I don't kind of fuck with certain things that you do. And there's a lot of people that I think especially are, who are coming up now who are just conforming so heavily that it's difficult to tell somebody like, you know, find your own sound. But there, you know, there are people where I'll hear a song by them and I'll be like, I'll be like, you know, keep doing that. I'll definitely tell them that because they'll ask me for advice. That's kind of the best way I'll do it. Cause really like if you're doing something that sounds like other rappers, it's, and that, that's like eight or nine out of 10 songs that come out nowadays. So it's not like I'm saying like this unique thing, but like you can hear when it's not that and that cuts against you. You're like, Oh, I've never heard this before. This is a different sound. Um, so yeah, I definitely tell people to try to be themselves more and I also think a lot of rappers like like I freestyle in the booth and I use a lot of that shit. But I think sometimes people will do like one freestyle take and just be like, that's my song. I'm going to get that mix and mastered. And sometimes some of those bars don't make any fucking sense. And people like people actually are paying attention to you when you, when you rap and other people are writing down complex shit. So if you're just saying like, I don't know, like I'd be in a, like a phone. It's like sick. Who the fuck cares? You know, because you just freestyled that. So maybe that worked with the flow, but like. That's not a good line. So I think some rappers maybe go freestyle too heavy. Like you got to have flow, but you also got to have bars. In my opinion, you got to have the whole package nowadays. I think it's interesting because rappers who came up in the past probably 10 years, between 2010 and 2020, had this wave of lyrical music that didn't really need lyrics. That this sound of like, didn't really matter what you were saying as long as your voice was cadence. But now post 2020, it feels like classic hip hop elements of lyrical music, written bars are coming back. And so they're left kind of wanting because it's a very difficult skill to develop if you haven't done it at all. And if you've been working on it for the past 10 years and you haven't got there. So I think like the, even if you don't use your lyrical skill set, you need to have it as a foundation of where you come from because you always want to be able to tap into it. Because, like, you don't want to go head-to-head and get ruined by bars. Yeah, man. I agree with you. I agree with you. Why, why do you think that happened in 2020? Like, why do you think the shift has kind of started? Well, I think people just focused on the sound. I think hip-hop really blew up. Like, it had almost the second wave, like, in a way to me. Like, it really encapsulated, like, the new generation of millennials. It was a completely different sound. It was the trap sound. The hi-hat came out of nowhere. And then people were focused on the sound and not the content. And then also labels were happy to push it. Like, I I don't think it's one or the other. I think they figured out that the youth doesn't need lyrics to find this music. They need a feeling. They need, and I get it because like I listen to it and I get a feeling as well. And so they almost found a new audience with a new sound rather than traditional hip hop heads. Because traditional hip-hop heads struggled to get on board. I struggled to get on board at the beginning 
because I was like, well, where's the lyrics? Where's the meaning? Like I fuck with the beat a little bit, but like you're saying nothing. So I think it was just a new audience that they were going after. Now they've got it. And now rappers are like saying exactly what you said. And I've said it before as well as like, I can't tell the difference between eight out of the 10 songs. I don't know. Do you all sound the same? You all sound like iterations of Lil Wayne. Like you just sound like iterations of one another. The beats aren't particularly special. So like I could put you on and I wouldn't even be able to tell the difference. And I think now artists are starting to realize that, that they need to stand out. I feel you. I feel like, first of all, I like that what you said, like that new audience, that kind of, I feel like it's that festival audience a little bit. And not that someone like J. Cole with tons of bars doesn't absolutely destroy a festival like Kendrick. But like you see these rappers who are just like, hey, hey, and the crowd's going crazy. And you see these videos on Instagram. It's like, man, this guy's killing it. It's like he's literally just a hype man at that point, right? He's got beat. He's just saying, hey. Um, so I, I definitely feel you. And I, I think that there is kind of that need for bars to come back because at the end of the day, I feel like it's almost like you said, Lil Wayne. Lil Wayne's been, Lil Wayne had bars like crazy, you know, but it's the dilution of him. You know what I mean? It's like you start with Lil Wayne. And I love Young Thug. I'm not saying he's a diluted Lil Wayne, but then he's like the next version, let's say. But then you kind of start, someone takes that flow part, and then you start getting away from the original thing that made Lil Wayne one of the goats, which is that he's saying things that I can't even understand how you get to as a rapper, you know, as someone who writes bars. I still listen to Lil Wayne. I'm like, how did he? That's so creative. That's crazy. You know, he's on another planet. So you get, you start with that, and then you kind of start going down, and then eventually you just don't have the bars, and maybe people are picking their head up and saying like, we, we were these guys, you know, we still exist. You know, we didn't go all that. We didn't take that journey. So I think there is a big audience of hip hop heads who want rappers who rap. And I think sometimes you even see rappers who don't rap that well, but, but rap are getting on now because it's like, there's a hunger for it and there's not a lot, there's a demand for it. And there's not a lot of supply. I agree. And I think the interesting thing with Lil Wayne is they took his sound. They didn't take the, it was almost like, like you said, the dilution, but also a bit of a laziness that like, mm-hmm. I don't have to bring the lyrics and it's okay. Mm-hmm. People won't say anything about it. Okay. Yeah. The, the hip hop heads that have been listening to nineties, two thousands, lyrical music will say something, but they're old. So who gives a shit? As long as the youth are into it, like it's almost like people born 2020 plus or sorry, 2000 plus really started fucking with it. And I think you're hundred percent right. It was just the dilution. I mean, Lil Wayne has some of the best lyrics around, but I think it, it played into a little bit of laziness. Like I think it allowed artists to be like, I just go in the booth. I do one take. I don't listen to it back. I give it to the engineer and they just make a song. And it's like, yeah, I could fucking tell. I know. (laughs) Trust me. I know I can tell there was no, real meaning there was no purpose i mean i've heard stories of like engineers moving lyrics in different orders to make it sound better mm. that should never happen as yeah, it, doesn't, it doesn't even make sense to begin with so it's like we can just move it around yeah yeah and it's insulting in a way because it's like you did this the engineer was like that sounds like shit and they literally they made a song for you you it's irrelevant almost you at that point you just were there providing a sound yeah yeah man I'm so I'm all about that counterculture of like bringing bars back because I think we I don't know if it's you know there have been things that are kind of galvanized that community like the verses stuff Jadakiss is a big moment obviously uh which I love um and just you know moments that kind of bring bars back to the forefront 
and there's a like there's a passion behind it but i don't know if it's reached its whatever peak yet um and i think that's going to happen i think that things can get rediscovered and i think like clever things to say resonate with the crowd forever like if there was a battle right if there's a rap battle and there's a guy who's up there is like and then there's a guy who like raps and disses him like Eminem and Eight Mile. Like, who's the crowd going crazy for? It doesn't even matter who they are. They're going crazy for the Eight Mile guy. So at the end of the day, I think that stuff's going to win out. I think it's a question though: Do they have the appetite to listen to a battle? I'm not. I'm not saying they. I'm not. That's a good point. I'm not saying they do. What I'm saying is, is that ultimately one is better in substance than the other. So I'm saying if you put them against each other, even if this one has its moments when you're turning up and drinking. Ultimately, this one is always going to be like the, the substantive lyrical hip hop will always have a weight that the other stuff doesn't to stick around and outlast it. Yeah, I think you're definitely right as someone like as as people who love hip hop. But for your casual listener, I think this is the the real change that we've seen is like the casual hip hop listener who just comes in, comes out, likes a little bit of everything, doesn't really have an interest into delving particularly deep into the genre. They're just like, whatever's playing, like, I just like the vibe and that's it. And I think that has really changed, whereas traditionally hip-hop heads have been, like, extremely passionate about, like, what makes hip-hop amazing. And then also arguing about, you know, top fives, top tens. Like, that is a part of hip-hop that I feel like people have kind of started to let go that's, like, you know if you can have those discussions that you've been listening to hip-hop for a long time. But the people who don't, they don't really have an interest that far. Yeah, that reminds me of like NBA top five, LeBron, Michael Jordan, you know, barbershop kind of conversations. And I was actually thinking about that yesterday. I was thinking about some of the, there's like this big underground wave and it's called underground. I don't know if it's really, would you, you would call it that, but it's like, it's like auto tuny rap that's melodic, and there's like some rappers who are really big in it. And I was thinking about like the fans of this shit. And I was like, I wonder if these people even listened to rap before this. And I don't think they really did a lot of them. Um, and that's kind of strange to me. Like, that's like, yo, like I'm a, if you actually, you're from Australia, you live in Australia. Like I'm a huge LaMelo ball fan, but yeah, no, I, I don't know the NBA. I just like watch every LaMelo ball game. It's like, all right, I want to talk to you. You don't know shit. You know, like I don't, I know back to like fucking Bill Russell and Will Chamberlain in my history. So like, I feel like you're right. Like people who don't want to have those top five, top 10 conversations when that's out of the forefront, like that's a different world. Like, and maybe we just need to kind of separate a little bit, like, you know, like, cause that's not, that's not hip hop. You know what I mean? Like it really just isn't. And instead of just being like old heads, you frown upon it. Like, let's just, or not, we're not, we're not really old heads, but being looked at like that, like, fuck that. Like, I think, Bars have their place, and I think that there needs to be a bigger place in the culture for bars, and I think that's happening, but I hope it accelerates. Definitely, I hope, and I think this album, Punches, is the epitome of that, and, like, it's all about bars and bringing, you know, and I worked with some of my favorite rappers ever on the album, and I think that's the movement I'm trying to bring forward. I embrace a lot of the creativity of maybe some of the modern music, so it's not, like, maybe just, like, oh, this is 90s music, but this is kind of my perception of having lived the different eras living lived the the j cole era lived the the now more current era and then kind of being such a fan of like tupac and nwa and and that type of music um and bringing that all into one eight song succinct dope album with some of the best rappers ever so i'm pushing the the needle forward but i think you know obviously it's a bigger push well i mean i feel like 
that's how you should be doing it. I don't think you should be going to 90s hip-hop. Like, you shouldn't be replicating 90s hip-hop now anyway. it's Again, it's like, that's like a golden era. Like, every era has its own sound, so you should be pushing the envelope for the new sound. So, like, I'm also not a huge fan of when people just go back and replicate 90s beats. Like, I like it, don't get me wrong. I always like a boom-bap beat, but I also know in that era they had the same complaints that we probably have now is, like, a lot of these beats sound exactly the same. There's no drop. There's no spacing. It's just the same bass, the same drums, and it's, like, same shit. So I think it's important, as much as we were talking about, you know, this current era of music, to still continue pushing forward. And you do that, obviously. Yeah, you see me personally, like, someone like Kanye, like, you know, love or hate him, like his type of beats where it's going to change in the middle. Maybe that's, you know, he has samples. I'm not saying always use samples. Other people have really cool beats too, but like, I don't think that, yeah, I think that you should, your beat should be creative. Your music should be creative. You should be a creative on top of the music. Like this kind of like, I just have this, the same trap beat that everyone's heard. And I'm just doing the same kind of flow because it works thing. And like an abundance of that, like that bucket is full. You know what I'm saying? And over flooding, like you're not contributing anything by making another song like that, unless you do it creatively. I'm not saying you can't make a cool, that, that type of song, but if you're not doing it creatively, you're just saturating. You know what I mean? So yeah, I think absolutely like the, the beats matter and, and it, it, you don't want to just make nineties beats and you don't want to, like you want to make good creative songs, whether that has a nineties touch, whether it has a 2000 touch, 2010 touch. And that goes back to what we're saying with like going for a Grammy or going for a genre. Like I'm not trying to do that. I'm going for quality always. Well, do you know what drives me crazy right now is the use of like classic, like 2000 songs and resampling them and making them into hip hop beats. And it yeah. drives me crazy because I know what it's like. I know where this song was before you remixed it. And it, like, it's a classic for a reason. Like it's everyone loves it for a reason and you remixing it doesn't make it better. But, yeah. like, to people who haven't heard it, it's like, oh, my God, where did you find this? And it's like, well, this was all over the radio. This was everywhere. This was in clubs. There's a reason why this is doing so well. It's not because the artist is doing anything particularly good. And that drives me crazy. I love sampling, but, like, you shouldn't be sampling hits. Yeah, and the way they sample it, too, it's like they're sampling the fucking chorus. Like, it's like it's not like a little bit of, like, an old 30 soul song. It's like... I don't even know if this is an example, so I'm not. It'll be like a trap song. It'd be like, "Say my name, say my name," and then like a beat. It'd be like some rapper going a completely like different flow. It's like I, yeah, I mean, I did want to hear "Say My Name" by Destiny's Child right now. Like it's a great fucking song, but I didn't want to hear this. But all right, you know, and the radios go for it. But like, I think that that goes back to kind of the corporatefication, if that's a word, of music, and it's you're it's a safer bet to throw out a song that's already been big if you have the rights to it in your library than to invest in a new sound. So that holds things back and that is the way it will always be. But hopefully things, you know, artists become more independent, something kind of like college sports in America where like players can get money. Now there's more independence in college sports. Hopefully something like that type of landslide keeps happening with music where artists stay independent or get better deals and have more control of the creativity. Um, but not hopeful. It seems like, Big money usually wins. But, you know, fuck that. Fuck the radio. It's kind of about what we do on our own. But I think there's like two points to that. The artists need to, like artists in hip-hop need to 
make sure the culture keeps moving forward. So they have a duty to do that. And I know that there is, like, as you said, big money at the at the forefront. So there is 100% that. But there is also a duty of fans to be like, hey, if you know that, you probably shouldn't fuck with it. Because, like, when you fuck with it, big money gets supported. And they're like, see, I told you so. Like, yeah. I, that's kind of why... Like, I kind of like the world we live in. Like, fans, at the end of the day, are the deciders. Fans, yes. I mean, Drake just dropped his new album. Everyone hated it. It's gone. No one talks about it anymore. It was, it's dead. So, like, at the end of the day, if fans rebel and if fans turn around and go, no, nah, we're not fucking with that anymore, well, then they won't make the music anymore. Yes. It's just, I mean, just even go back to my NBA example, like the NBA All-Star Games, sometimes they'll get, like, some dude who's washed up get voted in or like got injured the first half. Sometimes fans like me, maybe you and me kind of, and, and a lot of other people are good fans um, and promote the right shit. But like you were kind of saying, like maybe these festival fans, and I'm not shit, not anyone who goes to festivals. I'm saying like, if you were a rap fan through festivals, maybe these, these kind of newer fans who just got into the genre, maybe they outnumber us and maybe we need to like, you know, not give a fuck about them kind of is what I'm saying. Because really like, if they're like the music that you're talking about right now, that, that, that old sample, that's New York. That's what's big in New York right now. And I know you like New York rap just from, from watching uh, the show with La Russell. So New York rap is becoming that. So that's potentially like what I'm saying is like, we, if, if we are kind of a culture and that's a different culture, like if part of our, is part of us is breaking off to kind of appease that type of music, that's not good. So, yeah, I think it's up to the fans but we can't rely on the fans. Like the, the artists have to be, the artists have to be, and the artists have to be pushing the right music forward. Obviously, that's a struggle and an uphill battle. But maybe for every one of those songs, you get two of the real songs, and you just push them on the radio. And some artists do do that. Some artists don't fuck around and just copy trends, and they they blaze their own path. And even though you mentioned that Drake album, I think a lot of people felt that he blazed somewhat of his own path on that album. And some people really liked it. And there's Think polarizing things aren't always so bad. You know what I mean? Like I, I might not have been in the camp that was crazy about the album, but a lot of people were, and that's not always so bad, but he at least did something that was like, I guess his lane. Um, and I think that that's important. I think that it's important to not, like you said, it's not maybe on the radio, but I do think people are fucking with it. I do think, I do think that people need to make music that doesn't sound exactly like other music. That's my point. Well, I think Kendrick does that really well. Yes. Um, and I think Kanye does that really well. They've, I think the best, in my opinion. Kanye. I mean, they've, they both have always had their own sound. Like, it's weird. When I listen to Kendrick and when I listen to Kanye, there's almost no era. It's kind of like free form in the sense that it stands alone because it is a creative piece of work. Like, it's not a trend. Like, even with this new album that Kendrick dropped, like, it doesn't fit into modern. It doesn't fit into old. It just fits into Kendrick. And so I think that should be the art, the goal of any artist is like, you shouldn't have, oh, I fit into boom bap or I fit into trap. You should fit into your own brand of like, this is the music I make. And it stands the test of time purely because it's me. It's not anything else. Yeah. I feel that. Just to even add to that, like swimming by Mac Miller, um, Kid Cudi, Man on the Moon, a lot of stuff The weekend makes. It's the attention to detail when somebody is really either, I don't know, at their peak or just at a super, super, super high level. And it's the attention to detail that you're hearing. I think that's like, 
this doesn't belong in an era because I haven't heard this before. Like this is new. They've created something. And I think that's fucking cool. Like that's what music's all about. Think about what music is, right? Like we're doing a, we're doing a show right here. We, we both fucking love rap. We have like all this shared knowledge. Like you're on the other side of the world. I, we could talk about things that we both experienced that I can meet someone down the street and they'd be like, I, I really don't know who Lloyd Banks is. Please get away from me. You know what I mean? But like, <laughs> you know who that is and I do. So hip hop has obviously transcended, but really we're listening to an audio file. We're listening to a fucking sound. So if you're not making something new, then that's not what the like the purpose of why we all started doing this is. It's like, I got a sound. No, I got a new sound. No, I got a new sound. Someone's like, I got his sound, but like I changed it a little bit. It's like sick, dude. You know, like, so I think it's, we got to take a step back and be like, why are we doing what we're doing? Is it to make money or is it to make something cool? Some people it's to fuck bitches. For some people it's to get sponsorships. For some people it's to live a lifestyle. For some people it's to change the world. And for some people it's to contribute to a genre they really care about. That's, I probably fall, fall more in that bucket to make dope shit. I definitely want to make dope shit and entertain people, but it goes back to your purpose. You know what I mean? But we're making audio files. So are they unique? Have you heard something like it before? Or is there something that draws you to be like, hmm, that might change how I look at things. Or I might be on my walk to get coffee and feel fucking pumped up because this guy sounds pumped up in the studio. That's what it's all about is, is bringing a real raw, authentic emotion that's new and not just kind of like adapting something and try but at the same time you got to use inspirations but and that's a, 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 a tricky line to kind of walk but yeah you got to make something new you can't just be redoing stuff and that's why i love people like i love j cole like i think his music is it if you've listened to the 90s rap it's like you can see it's like the next season on that tv show it makes sense like it's not 90s rap but it subsequently makes sense in the anthology of hip-hop so yeah i think it's all about making real shit and uh, if you don't and you do well, good for you. That's how I feel. Yeah. And, and, but I just mean, I always go like, look at the classic albums. That's what they did. Like, if you look at all the albums that stand the test of time, they did that. They have their own sound. They listened to what was happening in hip hop, but they used it as inspiration, not as a, all right, do this. I mean, I look at people like Lauren Hill, Outcast in Equemini. I look at, you know, 50 Cent's Get Rich or Die Trying. Like, it was off the wave of, like, this gangster rap. He had his, his own sound. You know, Dr. Dre, Eminem, all those people. Um, it just kind of, like, just it, it just moved the needle further into what was cap what you were capable of doing in hip-hop. And yeah. I, think, I think that's what we should all be pushing for. But I think you're right as well. Like, at the end of the day... You know, you get pe people get like, you know, $100 million check. They get more money than they've ever seen in their life. Yeah, especially if you come from nothing, like, you know, 10 million is a lot of money. So, like, there's always a number for like when you give up on your artist's integrity versus when you're like, all right, I'm just going to take the cash. I'm going to, you know, live the lifestyle. I'm going to, you know, as you said, fuck bitches, you know. You don't have to work anymore. Like, the fame kind of does it for you, for you and you just kind of just, play the artist rather than be the artist and the shitty thing is though is is that yeah a million ten millions a lot for you but i'm not going to be like the guy who sits here and does a, a clip on a podcast where it's like it's actually alone and you know you're really paying the back because i think a lot of people know that at this point and i've seen like 30 clips like that um but you know it's not the money that it looks like and the sad thing is is like you're like you were talking about it, like eventually there's a number they'll get you to even if they don't get you that number if their number is this 
they'll just get the next guy to do this. You know what I'm saying? So they'll take the person who's easier to work with. Um, and that's not to say that that doesn't make sense. Everyone's trying to do their job. So it's an ecosystem. Music's a big ecosystem. It's a, it's a business in a fucking half. And I've worked in other businesses like software and technology, like that are, you know, more maybe traditional businesses. Music is a, music's a beast, man. Music's a fucking beast. There's a lot of people, a lot of different parts, like a whole ocean down here. People who do this for artists, people who do that for artists, like a whole world. So um, everyone's got to do what they got to do, artists included. And I think art, like artists, and maybe this isn't fair, but artists are kind of like the superheroes. They're the ones who got to like keep it pure. And uh, that's a losing battle, but that doesn't mean it's not one to fight. You know? Well, it's like athletes as well. I mean, we've all worked jobs that pay far less, that is way worse, that you sell your soul to just to be there and make a couple of bucks an hour. We've all done that. So like yeah. I 100% also get when artists are like, well, this is just a paycheck to me. This is a job. And this is way better than all the other shit that I could be doing. So, like, I 100% get that part as well. So, it's it's like, but you're right. We do hold them at a, at a really high standard. And it's like, at the end of the day, like, you all make music. And we treat you like superheroes. And you, you are held to a ridiculous standard. If you do something wrong, it's like, what are you doing? Because we hold you at such a high standard, much like athletes. Like, athletes are there to play a sport. And I kind of feel bad for all the the rest that's thrown on them, that every action is analyzed and like they have a look on their face in the middle of the game and everyone's like, what the fuck was that look? Why did you <laughs> smile? Everyone's like, why is he smiling, man? Your team's losing. And it's like something funny could have happened, but everyone is watching you to such an nth degree that at the end of the day, you're bound to let somebody down at some point. Yeah. And it's kind of like, especially for athletes, it's like, you give a fuck. So you're the one who cares about what I'm doing. My opinions, like you could just not give a fuck. And that's the problem with Twitter nowadays, especially is everybody, not everybody. A lot of people think that it is sport, not, not to sport, but like an art to give a fuck about everything. Like if you don't like somebody, like you can really tune them out. It's actually pretty doable and easy obviously block them or whatever you want to do or mute them. But I think that people look at athletes and rappers and like, how could you say the audacity and, and you make money playing sports and you make money just speaking into a mic. It's like, if it were really that easy, like it, it actually like doing those jobs are the most competitive things in the fucking world because they're awesome to do and they're fun and they're hard. And you have to work day and night at both of them. Like you don't just go like, maybe people think you just go up to a mic and rap, but that's because you've watched, videos that the, the song's playing and the guy's like lip syncing his words half the time or songs that the guys practice a hundred times. Like you don't see what goes behind it. I think a lot of people don't realize, but yeah, if you don't care, if you don't like what they're saying, you don't have to care. If it, it look, there are things that are, people say irresponsible shit. That's like wrong about people and, you know, just immoral. And that's not cool. But like, as long as if someone's just saying their opinion, like, I think that this should be this way, like, shut up, like, let them have their fucking opinion. Either that's cool because you root for them. You can casually disagree. And the option of like being all upset about it really is just your problem. They're living rent free in your head. But yeah, we have too much of a culture of everyone squabbling. But it's also like they're an athlete. You shouldn't be listening to their political opinions anyway, because they're not qualified that you, you shouldn't listen to my opinions. I'm not qualified. It is purely an opinion. Who, who is nowadays called? I don't even know if anyone's qualified. Let's just take what you like. 
Well, that's you know? the problem is like, you know, an athlete who, you know, shoots hoops all day isn't exactly the person I'm going to be like, you know, you're right. This is how we should run our political system for the whole country with its intricacies. But people get caught in this battle of like, oh, he, he thought this one thing one time. I don't like him. And it's like, and well, think, yeah. I think people, people don't get though that. Yeah. I think people don't get that. Like if you, like if you're an athlete, right. And you speak out about a cause, there might be a lot of things that are imploring you to speak out about that cause. I don't know if you watch the show, Ted Lasso. Um, yeah. Dude. There's, yeah. Good. Uh, there's a soccer player who something there's like, he almost had a sponsorship of like a, um, these, this company that was terrible in this country. It was airline. It was in, so spoilers alert for anyone who hasn't watched it. So we're going to ruin it for probably the next, you know, minute, minute and a half or whatever. But yeah, I think you're, it was like, um, I think he was a Nigerian player. I don't remember, but they were going to get sponsored by an airline and the airline was, had like gas, uh, oil spills in its country. And so it was his family. I think it was his family who was like, you know, I'm disappointed in you for, for being the spokesman for this company. Yeah. That's a perfect example of like, we see the surface, but there's like a, a like picture, like a pimple, like there's a whole bunch of stuff under there that the public doesn't see and is not privy to. So that's, that's what I think a lot of how we react to shit is. We're like, how could he say that? But we're like, just viewing a snippet of the video or viewing a snippet of this person's life. Even if we watch the whole clip, like you don't know that he didn't have a fucking fight with his girl that day. And he's just in a pissed off mood. And the interviewer, like, you know, was it kind of a dick to him? And the guy took a while to set up his mic and then they got him decaf and he doesn't like coffee. And then he got a text that his aunt's sick. And then someone asked him a question that kind of pissed him off. And then you just watch that clip. You know what I mean? Like we're just so judgy. We're just so judgy. And that's what I'm saying. Like you make the point, why would I care what, what, you know, why would I, why am I, why is an athlete qualified? And I agree with that. But also I do think that we are just so hyper inclined to judge people and make our comment of like, Oh, what an idiot. Like, Oh, especially at people who we feel like got an easy route, like athletes and mu- musicians, because we don't know the fucking schedule, um, which is really hard and difficult. And look, man, if, if you want to be a musician who tours, like you should have worked on that and maybe you could, but like, I think people are a little bit bitter at people who try and do things. So when they slip, they're like, ah, and it's like, you're not even out ice skating. So how are you making fun of people that slip? I think that is the key. They, it's people who try and do shit. It's not even the success. It's the fact that they tried, they failed, they tried, they failed, they tried, they kept trying. And then eventually they were successful. It's, yeah. it's the, it's the determination to get there. No one makes one song and goes big. You've been making music, at, whether at home, whether you didn't release it is completely different, but you've been making music for time. You've been yeah. working for time. Like an athlete doesn't just show up to the NBA and make his first shot. He's like, oh my God, I'm good at this. No, they've been working since they were kids to get to that point. Okay, yes, genetics. Yes, going to the right school helps, but like there's so many people who had potential never made it. So true. And even think, think about this, like, I feel like the reason we want, like, we want someone unblemished. I feel like as, a, as an audience, like we want someone who comes out with a song. Oh my God. It's, I think that's why a lot of people like Kendrick so much. I feel like people feel like Kendrick is very unblemished and, and he's great, but he's unblemished. Like he doesn't have like, you know, uh, and, and same with Biggie, right? Like Biggie doesn't have like 15 albums for you to sit through and be like, oh, that auto tune album really sucked. Cause that didn't happen. It came out with two albums. So you, there is a benefit in brevity because failing or flaws 
are seen as like, ah, you're just a regular person. When in fact, everyone's just a regular person. You know, even Eminem, who otherworldly type of rapper, we've heard him dip and then come back and stuff like that. Like everyone's failable. So everyone's got life problems and shit like that. So yeah, I think we're all looking for that like superhero type of thing. And that's not really realistic. In reality, it's like, when you look at someone like Jack Harlow, like it's going to take albums and shit like that. Like you're not just going to blow up overnight. And if you do, actually, if you do blow up overnight, there've been so many rappers first album, man, this guy's going to be, you know, it's like LeBron, even though LeBron was the next MJ, there were a lot of next MJs who were not MJ. It's like, this guy's the next one. Uh, and that happens a lot with rap. And a lot of times when that happens, their next album is ass because they got way too hyped up and they were fallible and they started kind of smelling their own stuff. And then, you know, they weren't that guy. They weren't perfect because no one's perfect. So if you take the lane of I'm me, I'm not perfect. I think that's a better route. And you just keep fucking working and believing in yourself. That is the modern route of making it because no one is unfailable. And that's not a realistic thing to attain to. Well, I look at Zion Williams. Yeah. Zion like Williamson. Williamson. He was, everyone was like, this dude's going to be a beast. And he is a beast. But yeah. like. Where is he now? Like he's struggling with his weight, injuries. Like there is just so many conversations of like, will he even get close to what his potential was? Remember Joel Embiid? Joel Embiid I barely played his first three seasons. I actually looked at Zion's stats and it's kind of funny. But he's Zion's played 89 games in three years. He missed a whole year. So he played 89 games in two years and averaged, I sound like I'm like on a sports podcast. I think he averaged 27 and seven. Zion's fucking ridiculous. And he missed a year and there's some pictures of him on it. That's like the Instagramification. Oh, he looks fat today. Yeah. Do you want to fight that guy? Do you want to play him in basketball? Maybe he just like ate a, like James Harden looked fat and two days later scored 40. Like we all want to judge these people like they're us. Same with rap. And same. It's like, we want to be like, oh, are you not a superhero? Like, no, he's not a superhero, but he's fucking awesome. So he can get fat and lose the weight. Like it's stupid. And, you know, and maybe Zion can't play because maybe he is too big, but I don't think that's the case. Like Zion's fucking sick. And I think we just, we love this, like, oh, the fall of heroes kind of shit. You know what I'm saying? And the, the, the redemption stories and reality, man, like we're just putting people on these roller coasters. Like he's the same dude the whole time. That's how I Yeah. Feel. Do you know who I love? Tyson Fury. Because yeah. he is, he's a character into himself, but like he looks like, a middle-aged man that his partner was like, you got to get on the treadmill for 30 minutes a day because you're getting too fat. That's his yeah. body. His body yeah. looks like he couldn't throw a ball, let alone a punch, to knock somebody out. But he is such an amazing athlete. And to see him actually do it, it kind of just made me think like, oh, all these like jacked dudes that we think that's what you should look like to be the best at your sport, maybe that's not the case. Maybe we're just like a bit too, like you said, Insta Instagramification or glorification of like the unattainable. Whereas it's like, we should just look at results. Yeah, it's, it's like Steph Curry. You know, Steph Curry was draining threes long before people realized he was like one of the best players ever, but it was there. Like if you were watching, like it just was not accepted. You know, it wasn't just, it wasn't what people thought was a top 15 player ever. And speaking of Tyson Fury, I actually, this is a fun fact, I actually watched Tyson Fury, Mike Tyson, uh, Vander Holyfield. I watched mad boxing highlights when I was recording this shit and writing this shit. That's kind of really? one of the reasons I call the punches because I just, that's what, that's kind of the ferocity I was kind of trying to pack. Um, my bad. <laughs> no, that's all right. We were literally talking before we started recording about phones ringing during the podcast and literally 
It had to happen. We, we brought it up. Yeah, I don't know who that is, but I'm not happy. <laughs> I do not disturb. It's got my laptop to get the calls here. But yeah, so I was listening to, I was listening to watching a lot of videos of just boxers because, in my opinion, I think that what's so cool about recording an album is like I'm the product, right? Like, so like my state of mind matters when I would like, you know, walk into the studio, walk and record. I'm just like really trying to get in that state. And so it's nice to kind of have a reason to get in that state. It's very exciting. It's like playing sports, but it's more against yourself, which is harder and better because it's like you got all the keys, but also like it can be a bitch kind of sometimes like getting yourself in the right mind state. So yeah, I always watch boxing highlights. And I just kind of get like super into it, but I'd also like notice the part where they go to the corner and shit like that. And like, think about that. Cause you can't just be aggressive all the time. There's a composure that comes into performing at a high level. Do you remember your mindset after watching them and being able to record? Like, do you remember the difference that you felt? It's like, you got to want blood, but you got to calm down at the same time. That's, that's, I think the perfect mindset. Like I am fucking coming for this, but also like, I'm not going to like get like too like that too much testosterone. So you got to pace yourself. And that's kind of what I noticed from watching boxing. And that's the same thing with music. Like when you hit that part of the verse, hell yeah. Like, but sometimes when you're rapping, like breath control is important, things like that. Sometimes you got to even take a breath. You got to be like, all right, one second. Let me like get my fucking mind state, just like going to the corner and, and getting kind of back in that focus. So I think rapping is a lot like boxing and just kind of doing those different vocal punches is a lot like kind of getting out between each round. And like, you got to kind of rev your mind back up um, because it's easy for Mike Tyson to box and it's easy for me to rap, but to rap at my best level where I'm like honing in, but controlled that takes focus. You don't, that doesn't just happen naturally. I think, and that's, that's, I think what the best rappers of all time do. They focus. I was listening to Tupac recently, like Tupac's in the fucking moment when he's rapping. He is not, reading some piece of paper like blindly like he's there with you that's why he's so good um jay-z too um so i think that's that's required of the best rappers like you got to be in the fucking moment you can't just be reciting lines that are good that's not enough so how do you feel about rappers who don't memorize their lines because i know there are some who need to write pen and pad and there are others who write it then they memorize it and they don't like the feeling of like you said literally a piece of paper in front of their face as they're rapping but do you have an opinion on like the the variations and and the quality of like if you do one or the other yeah i i don't think that you're a bad or good rapper if you do one or the other because i hear a lot of people say like yo i don't even write and like they fucking suck i think that's really cool if you're really good i've done that um I, it depends, like, it kind of actually depends on your, like, lifestyle, because if you know you're going to the booth every day, then that is more easy to do, right? Like, if you have a studio in your house, a good studio, then it's easier to just be like, all right, I remember that. All right, let's go. But if you are sometimes, like, I think of some of my shit when I'm out or, you know, when I'm traveling. So I'm going to write that down because I'm not going to rap for, like, four days or five days. Um, I could remember it. But then I might, I might forget, I might even record the flow of it. So I get the, the mental kind of parts that I, the emphasis, emphasis, because there's a lot, there's a lot that goes into a rap. If you really dissect kind of the, the different ways shit said, like you could, you could say a dope rap in a not dope way and it sucks, you know, like you got to be in the mood, you got to be there. Um, so anyway, 
I think it's super cool that Jay-Z does that shit and I can do that shit and I can freestyle too, like just come up within the moment and punch in different ways like that. Like that's another strategy, but I don't think one's better than the other, but I do think that you can kind of hear when shit's written um, for better or worse, like on paper. Um, and you can hear like when it's, you can kind of hear the different styles. Uh, so when I hear a guy at like a radio station and I hear him say like some puns that I know take writing i know it's not a freestyle and then they have like freestyle in the video and it's got like 3.2 million views and it's like and everyone's like ah this guy comes up with this off the dome that's the craziest shit it's like yo he doesn't that is not how people freestyle like freestyle is more about the flow and some good dope creative lines that you can use it's not like every line is like fire like that's rapping that's you come up with that before a hundred percent i i i've had this discussion with people as well and i've literally said cannot come up with something that good in the moment it is too good and so like like i look at people i've mentioned sahai a few times on this but he did an la leakers freestyle on la leakers and his metaphors and double meanings and like that shit was so pre-written it was amazing like it was am- I like you could give me 20 years and i couldn't come up with the shit that he came up with like i was blown away but I hate when they call it a freestyle. And maybe the beat is free in the sense that he didn't know the beat that he would have. That, in a sense, is freestyling. But the lyrics themselves were not a freestyle. Yeah, I hear you on that beat there. And I, I like Sahai a lot. I mean, I don't know him, but I like his music a lot. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if he he probably wrote that. I'm just guessing. But wouldn't you? You know what I mean? Like, 100%. If you, had, you had this big opportunity with LA Leakers, you're going to be like, yeah, no, I'm just going to wake up and drink my coffee and we'll just get in the car and just like, yeah, put the beat on. You could do that. But like, would fucking like, I don't know, Pepsi just show up to their next date of like coming up with a soda and be like, yeah, we're just going to pour some fucking soda in there and twist it around with some other ingredients. And like, here it is, you know, they're going to like take time preparing it because they're going up against Coke. It's like sci is going up against every other rapper. So yeah, I don't love that. They call it freestyle either. The fact that the beat they haven't heard, even though maybe they have, I don't know if he has, but I think sometimes people do hear the beats before. That is a cool thing. But like I, a lot of times will write like a hundred bar verse and I'll just go find a beat and it'll take like three to six beats to find something where the cadence works even less sometimes like perfectly. So it's not like wild. If you got bars to rap something that you got down on like a surprise beat, if you know what I'm saying. I think they can also put in request of the style of beat, you know, like, I'm sure they have conversations of like, hey, you can choose a beat, but it needs to be like certain style. That because I got like, I know these conversations happen. I'm like, we're we're not delusional to think that you'd risk, you know, blowing up your spot to a huge audience. You just wouldn't. Like, yeah, there are there are certain beats. Like, if you put on I'm trying to think of an example, um, if you put on like a milli, right? That's a fast beat. If you put on a milli, and I had like kind of like long form bars, like a Jay-Z type verse written out that kind of the lines are a little bit like that wouldn't work. Like I'd, I need to know you were putting on a milli because of the type of drums and the speed, because I want to do like a snappy verse with fucking puns. So yeah. Like if you just fucking surprise somebody, you could fuck them up. But I bet they're like, yo, his manager, his manager probably says his BPMs 120. Uh, and he likes, he likes kind of old school type beats. Send me over six. I'll send you back three we like. Why not? It's a show, you know? 
Like, do you want him to have subpar bars for it to be a little more real? But I agree with you. Then it's called a freestyle. And then like, I really can freestyle. Like if they didn't call that freestyles, I put out a bunch of freestyle videos. But like, if I did that, they'd be like, you said that. Like, be like yeah, because I fucking just did an hour freestyle off my dome. And fucking one of the lines wasn't good because you fucking listened to like people write shit. So it kind of dilutes, like it gets rid of that type of art. But, you know, some people, well, I, you know, freestyle is cool. I think yeah. it's a great thing. Someone like Harry Mack is a fantastic freestyler. Like he, that's how he got big. He's literally freestyling. But you can see, like, if you listen to enough hip hop, you can kind of see the pathways that he sows for himself, which is really cool. You can kind of see how he transitions from one thing to another. He like throws in something early and then you can say, oh, I see the rhyme scheme. I can kind of see how he's going to bring this back. And that's, that's cool. Like that is a skill set in its own of like being able to throw things for you to be able to grasp on them later and bring them back. But his bars aren't as complex as like what we've been talking about. It's just, you just can't, it's just, like we just can't think that quickly of being able to really create three or four meanings within one sentence off the top. Yeah. I see. I, I used to do that type of Harry match, not online, but like in person with like sports teams. And yeah, the way you kind of do it is if like someone goes like Seattle supersonics and I'm like, yo, I'm the heavyweight champ of this heavenly plan. I ball like Kevin Durant. You know how I do it. Shoot like Rashad Lewis. You stupid. Like I said, I said, you know how you do it. Cause I went to Rashad Lewis guys already thinking of it. So that's kind of how you do it is you're like, while you're doing that, while you're building that last thing, like you're already good, you set up the next line because it's not that hard to change rhyme schemes and rap. You just got to be ready for what you're going to say next. And people like the effect of it, it's like being a magician and people are like, whoa, how did you just do that? You know, that was like a weak example. But like, because people are like, how did you do that in real time? It actually, if you, I'm not saying I'm not discounting Harry Mack. I think he's like the best kind of at what he does. Um, but I do think that, the human perception when someone really proves their freestyling is like, Oh my God. And I get it, but it's actually like, once you kind of get the trick down, it's like a magic trick. Like you can just do it over and over. Yeah. I think it's like just talking in a way off the top, just being able to continuously speak. It's just added complexity, obviously, because it's in rhythm and it's timing and it's rhyming. So there's obviously complexity to it, but like, it's just like, we, we just talk off the top of our heads all the time. We just yeah. grasp on things and it's just letting yourself take that. It's like you don't have time to question yourself. You just go with your instinctual kind of mind and creativity. And I think that's what people find impressive is they edit what they say so much that they couldn't imagine doing it. Yeah. It probably feels risky. Like they probably think they're going to get canceled if they were to freestyle. I see people be like, no, nah, I'm not freestyling. They're like, dude, what are you going to say? What do you got in you? You got so much hate. Like you say something, I'm going to judge you that bad, but I get it, you know, because like, it's a kind of free flow. It's like what their people <clears throat> get drunk to even be able to flow, like to even be able to talk, like kind of on a free flow. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a, I, I would say, man, like the feeling of it, the feeling of freestyling. And like, that's really my roots is freestyling. Like, that's how I learned how to write. Like I do. Um, and whenever I want to think of a bar, I just kind of turn into a freestyle and think of a flow. Okay. God. Um, but the feeling of freestyling, like you were saying, kind of like the the beat while doing it with the beat, it is so much easier with the beat to do it if you're really freestyling because the beat is like who you're dancing with, if that makes sense. And you kind of just got to relax and let your mind, like kind of the back of your mind just kind of like work while you, it, it's a weird kind of feeling, but it's very, it can be very euphoric in that. And that's why I wish it was more part of rap, you know, like real freestyling. I wish we 
kind of divided it and we got it. Like some people freestyle, some people write whole verses and memorize them and bring them to shows. Both are cool, different things. Yeah. Do you think there will be a time where that happens? Uh, no, I guess I don't. Um, I mean, maybe like there'll be some series, like I think freestyling so cool that maybe there'll be some like, I know there are apps that try to do this, but like some kind of web hangout place where people just start freestyling with each other. And like that becomes like a thing where it's like these people just freestyle battle and like this one dude's like so fucking good and he's big on TikTok. This other dude's good. And then it becomes like, yo, freestyle is the shit. Like that's the way to go. I guess that's possible. Um, and then people will hear like these written bars and be like, nah, I, I listen to enough freestyle to know that's not freestyle. So maybe, but I definitely am not betting on like things getting more like authentic and people getting more investigative in how they view content. Like I think people are kind of in fact going the other way, kind of like getting taken for a show more and just being consumers, which makes sense. Yeah. I wonder though, I think it always goes around in circles. Like there was a really cool, I forget where I saw it, but it was like, you go enough, right. You, you turn right enough and you turn left enough that you'll meet in the middle again and you'll go in a circle of like, like maybe that is a path for hip hop that I don't know. Bro, I saw that in a TV show recently. I'm just trying to fucking think what it oh, was. was it? I think it was Peaky Blinders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was Peaky Blinders, yeah. exactly. And I Obviously. really, uh, yeah, that really stuck with me. I was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. That shit made me feel like I'm just done with this like opinionated kind of like, because this, you know, how everyone's got an opinion nowadays on who's right and who's wrong. And I'm just like, that's a good point, man. Like the people that, that we hate and then like the, the, the guys who are supposed to be going, the guys and girls supposed to be going up against them might kind of be the same people. So like, whatever, I'm not even, I'm not even worried about it. Uh, I I've always said like, if you're extreme on one side versus the other, you're practically the same to me. I don't have time for extremism. Like I'm, I just want to live my life. I want to contribute. I don't have time to worry about fighting. I think, and I, and I had this conversation with someone recently is like this kind of fighting in fighting is a way for the top class that we don't even see. Like I'm talking about above the billionaires. I'm talking about the people who wield real power. That's how they keep control by keep making sure we keep fighting amongst each other real power comes when the people unite we've you see that in every history book throughout time that when the people get on the same page that's when things change but like this infighting is just the worst and i see a lot of it on the internet of like oh women are the worst oh men are the worst oh women are the worst oh men are the worst and it's like no we all have flaws we need to figure out a way to live together, not against each other. Yeah. We, it's not going to happen until like clickbait stuff starts being illegal, which I guess it is in some places, but like, you're right. But at the same time, like if you get 10,000 views in, in Instagram by posting like Andrew Tate, because he has a, a strong opinion about women and that gets a lot of comments versus like you just post something down the middle and it just doesn't get seen that creates an incentive structure that propels the problem, right? Like, cause it's just people. I think the biggest thing I've learned as I've gotten, gotten older is like incentive structures, go back to that with everybody. And you won't be like this, how I used to be like, why are things this way? Why, you know, like, and that's kind of how I used to be like, 
you know, I make fucking dope music. Where's like the fucking UFO to take me up to dope music world? Like, why is that not how this world is? It's because people aren't incentivized that way. So you got to go fucking get your own spaceship and fly to that planet and show them, show them your shit. It's just how it is. So uh, yeah, incentive structures are behind everything and yeah, it sucks. But that's why the real got to fucking, and the good guys got to like keep pushing. That's how I feel. Well, also we're attracted to negativity. Yes. That's, that's the weird thing about humans is that we love negativity. We love watching people we disagree with because we want to tear them down. Similar to like, you know, athletes. We love fighting. It's, it's this weird DNA and salespeople have figured this out a long time ago is that if you show people the negative, you have a better chance to sell rather than showing them the positive. So like the fear is better, is a better incentive than the hap- the potential happiness. It's a really weird kind of world that we live in that they everyone kind of exploits the negative feelings because as soon as you feel that way, panic sets in, you make emotional decisions rather than logical decisions. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you don't listen to punches by this point, I mean, I, I would be a little bit afraid for your life. <laughs> I think you should see a doctor because you might die. No. Yeah. But you're right. Like, cause at the end of the day, you ever see the Chappelle show skit where he's like in the internet, he goes I, like the real internet. I think so. I, like a long time ago. It's one of the first seasons. I think it's first season. And like people just keep going up to him and it's like pop-ups and they're like debt consolidation, gambling. And then it's like porn being thrown over. Anyway, um, that's kind of how we are as consumers. It's like, so, so some, and it's also like walking down like the Vegas strip or, you know, people handing you like stripper cards. It's the same thing. Everyone's like, good time this way. Good time this way. It's only when someone's like, bro, you're not going there. You fucking stupid that you're like, oh, you know, because like, all the time you feel like people are fighting for your attention and you only have one attention. So you're going to be like this. And that's how it is on the internet. It's the same thing, right? It's the same as that Vegas strip or like that internet skit is that people are like, nah, 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 nah. Until they start to feel like everyone's fucking with something and they missed a wave. And they're like a little culturally out of it that they don't know about this new, you don't know about this guy. You haven't heard him, bro. He's at rolling out. You haven't seen this guy do that. You know? So that's kind of the fear of missing out is everything. That is literally took the words. You read my mind. I was going to say FOMO. It's fear of missing out. It's not the desire to have something great. It's the fear of not figuring out what everyone else is doing. It's like when you see a long line, you're like, what the fuck are these people lining up for? Like, I want to I wanna line up to see what's going on. And like, we've all done it. Then you get there and you're like, this sucks. I don't know why these people lined up. And you're like, oh, I was one of these idiots who lined up as well. Yeah, man. It's like some of these, some clothing you see, it'd be like $350 for this hoodie. It's like, nah, you did not spend near that making that hoodie. That's a normal hoodie. You probably spent like 25 bucks. I don't, I don't know how much hoodies cost to make at all. So I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, you know, you didn't spend money making that shit like at all. And you're charging 375 bucks. Why? Because the fact that it's 375 bucks makes some fucking hype beast who's 16 you know, be like, oh, yo, did you get the new serpent sweatshirt that's 375 from Louis Vuitton? Like, it's super cool. Like, you don't have that? Fear of missing out. 375. It's fucking dumb. But you're going to buy that sweatshirt instead of, I don't know, buying like an Xbox, which you can have fun for for hours or saving up, you know, for a college fund. No, you got to get that sweatshirt because if you don't have it, then people might, you know, not think you're cool. Like that fear of missing out of like who you could be with that sweatshirt. But again, that price is, is all the luxury there is really. 
I mean, it's kind of nice fabric, but it's not that different. Yeah. And the, you know, wait times and not having stock in store is really good way of saying, Hey, you got to wait. You can't get this now. You got to wait. And so you're like, Oh damn, I got to get in. I got to get it before my friends get it. I got to, you know, flex with this on Instagram, on TikTok. I got to wear the hoodie that no one can get their hands on. Like that's all like they got them. They all got them. They just, you have to, I was just, they just, they just supply and demand. They limit supply, demand goes up. It's it's just like classic economics. It's crazy. Yeah, it's and I'm learning that with rap, honestly. Like now I'm starting to tease songs more. And because that's that's honestly, I feel like and it's this shit evolves. Like, I don't know if three years ago this was the strategy. I think Lil Nas X did this and some other people did it, but like if you tease a song enough, people start to be like, that shit's out, right? And it's not. And then they're like, that's not out. Oh, when's that fucking dropping? I need that shit. But if you just drop a song. Congratulations, you just put a fucking fish in the ocean. It's a lot of those. But if you, you know, make an announcement, keep showing the fish in a case, and then he goes in the ocean, it's different. You know what I mean? So it's, you got to grow that fish would probably be the better metaphor. But uh, people, people, when they see something over and over again, like I hear, sometimes I hear a song of someone I follow who's not big. I'll hear it like three times. I think that's the number that it takes. And I'll be like, that's a big song, right? And it's not, it's just them. They're not big at all. I just heard it three times. So yeah, like what you were saying, like if you can create this allure before you do things, that is a big key to being an artist because why should people care? People care because you're putting food over their mouth and taking it away and then finally you give it to them, you know? It's funny. I had it's funny you brought up La Russell at the beginning of the show because there was a part of our interview where we spoke about how many albums is too many albums to drop in a year. And he dropped like six albums last year, I think. Six or seven albums. He's dropped a lot. And that point that you just brought up was my point with him as well. Like there is a, the challenge with any artist is like, there is a middle ground between, okay, you've got your diehard fans who will listen to everything, but you're also growing and you want more people to find your music. You have only a certain amount of shots, in my opinion, personally, to like really get fans on. And seven albums is a hell of a lot of content to make people go through. And he's a phenomenal artist. But I also know that not every track of his is fire. It just can't be. Not No one's doing that. It, no great has like every song is fire. So like if that is the case, you got to be more selective because he could still drop three or four projects a year and be making way more music than most artists. But I think there's something to less is more supply and demand of like, if you drop too much, it becomes less special because I know there's the next one around the corner. I feel you. And I've always thought that like Dr. Dre, you know, did such a good job of this. It was like, what the fuck is Dr. Dre doing? Whatever he's doing crazy shit. Like I'd love to be a fly in that wall. Cause he come out with shit very infrequently you know, come out with, came out with Eminem and then 50 Cent through Eminem. And it was just, just felt like such a high quality brand that they wouldn't tarnish. And, you know, there's a lot of rappers that do a really good job of that. But I guess what I'd say is who's doing a better job than La Russell? 
right? Like he's doing such an excellent job of getting on. If you watch any interview, so many rappers, so many athletes are talking about what a great rapper he is because he is and he's putting himself out there so much. So maybe things have kind of changed a little bit where that kind of selectiveness, which I appreciate as a fan and understand, isn't actually like the biggest sword that you could come to the fight with anymore. Maybe the biggest sword is I got mad music. And the cool thing about La Russell is, is I fuck with La Russell a lot. I love his music, but a lot because I just, I relate to him. Like he was even saying on the interview, like, I think he's a cool guy. I just want to see what he does. And it's not like he said, like that artist relationship. It's just like, I look at him as like, I want you to make it, man. You seem like someone maybe that I could have met. Um, he's a relatable, nice guy, funny guy, smiley guy, good dude. Like I'm yeah. smoking, you know? So like, so I guess what I'm saying is, is like the, if he, if La Russell just did three albums and did half the amount of content, maybe he doesn't cross my purview. Maybe I never know about him. So I hear you on that selectivity, but what I think the new approach is, is, is like, you do come out with a shit ton of stuff, but then when you really come out with something like, I'm sure La Russell at some point will come out with an album that is different than these, the rest of these albums, where it's like, he is promoting it. Like it's his kind of like his debut. I'm sure he will seize that momentum because everyone has one chance to kind of have like a debut and like, he's blowing the fuck up. I'm sure he's gonna have an album that blows up. That's, I think the new approach is like, and that's what Russ did. Um, and then there's really a wolf was like his, his album that blew up. I think, I think La Russell signed to him um, kind of a little like what Jack Harlow did. I think the new approach is I'm going to give you who I am because I want you to fuck with me as a person and a brand because music comes out all the time. Yes. You have to love my music. Very important, but you need to see all my sides. And even if I miss on a couple of songs, you know me and you like me and you're rooting for me for that debut album that I'm not going to miss it all. I bet he's not honestly, because he's so creative that if he puts it into one project, it's all going to be perfect. That's interesting. I hadn't thought about that that way, but I think my still my view is like, there is a difference between releasing music and creating content. And so you can kind of do both and like, don't get me wrong. I, I mean, as it's good, you keep releasing. I mean, you, you pick seven albums. I'm going to have plenty to choose from to pick my favorites. But like, I think, I just think that as if you're a diehard fan, it's really difficult to listen to for me personally, like to listen to seven albums of the one artist, I'm going to miss some stuff. So then you're you're out of the loop and then you feel less of a diehard fan. Maybe. Yeah. yeah, And I'm not saying don't do multiple projects a year. I just thought seven was enormous. Like to be honest, I do one podcast a week and we just talk, let alone to be able to make enough content to have seven projects is crazy levels for me. Like he just he just must have a pen. Like he just needs to write. I think it's something like some artists really struggle. Some artists really love it and they cannot stop writing. I think he's one of those people. He just can't stop writing. I And I'm not trying to just jump on this. I am one of those people and I could make seven albums a year. Um and I actually, I'm not, I'm not like about to just rule it out. I, th- I don't think that's something I'm against. I, I think that to climb the mountain, to get to kind of like where we're just talking about him on an interview uh, and where, you know, where he's getting talked about on a lot of interviews, you need to be like, yo, I have a differentiator. You will find something in my catalog that you like. And he's got all these songs that he puts in videos that you can then go listen to. Like I was talking about teasing music before, but the disadvantage of teasing music is I could listen to a La Russell performance um, outside. And then I can just go on Spotify and get it. Cause it's out, you know, or go somewhere and get it. If you tease stuff continuously, yes, you might build the hype of it, but you also lack that immediacy and people have a short attention span. 
So I think we'll see. Like, we'll see what he does. If La Russell keeps putting out seven plus albums a year, I would say like, yeah, maybe he is not creating such an easily followable journey from an audio perspective, maybe just more from a visual perspective. But I don't think he will do that. I think he's going to do less. And I think that like Gucci Mane, that's a big thing that Gucci Mane did, even though Wayne did. I think, I think people need to see, like you just said, like he's got a pen all the time. Like that's impressive to you. You know what I'm saying? So people need to, people want that persona, that superhero persona, like fucking La Russell can't stop writing. That's awesome. Like he's just addicted to this shit. I love that. You know, like people, fans love that shit. People love that about Lil Wayne. Like when Lil Wayne said like, I watch porn, I don't have sex because like, I don't have time to have fucking sex. People were like, oh my God, here I am trying to have sex all the time. And Lil Wayne's passing it up just to rap. What a martyr. You know what I'm saying? So like people love that, like I'm authentically into it. And I think when you just reserve yourself too much, your shit better be like crazy different and crazy wild because like the competition's putting out more shit. I think, I think maybe here's, I think maybe clicks for me. When you're starting to build, you need to release a lot of shit. And when you've got a name and a legitimate big following, that's when less is more. That's why you see the big artists because they have to, if they drop too many, that's when people will fall off the wagon. They're like, nah, you're just going to release lots of music again. But I think like, I don't know. I think, I think it becomes, you get to a point where you're like, now I want to make sure everything I do is fire. Whereas I'm sure like we all want to make sure we do, but I think the editing process is less important when you're on your way up versus when you're at the top of the mountain. There are so many corners to cut. It's people don't understand, you know, unless you've really watched someone record for a while. Like there are so many fucking corners you could cut and some do get cut and some don't like, it sounds fine. Like it works. And some you're sacrificing something and it, it's, there's so many decisions. So yeah, if you're putting your all into a project, it's definitely going to, definitely going to come out better. But what I, what you were saying kind of about putting out so many projects, I think when there are bars, I think you have a little more leeway. I'm a little more cool with a rapper who's got bars putting out seven projects. Cause I'm like, like you said, like that man's pen just can't stop. That's cool, man. Like it's like how some of these NBA players are playing in the summer and fucking tearing up these practice games. Like, I love that. You know, like I don't want you playing for money. I want you playing cause you love the game. It's gotta be real. That's what I relate to. But yeah. So I think, I do think that like, if you just make like melodics, you're like, nah, 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 nah. you put out 15 projects like that. Like there's so many ways that's, that's lazy. That's freestyle. But if you're writing that many projects, which I think La Russell's stuff does sound typically written, good by me. You know what I'm saying? Like if you're really trying to do something new, so I respect that. But yeah, I, I agree that once you're more on and once I'm more on, like I'm going to put out a lot of shit in the next in the next year, probably. Once I feel like I'm how I see myself, how other others see me, kind of how I see myself, then it's like, okay, now it's like when you get a release from me, you get excited. I anticipate, you anticipate that I build that up because it's rare and it's unique and you get what it is. But until you get what that is, I'm not going to be the quiet guy in the mountains being yelling every three months. No, I'm going to fucking yell every day until you hear me because I'm awesome and you need to come watch the show. You know, so that's the mentality. It's so funny. Cause like I say that yet, I also do a podcast that I release an episode every week. Yeah. And so like, you know, the, the rel to stay relevant in my world you have to do one a week. Like you can't, like that is the minimum unless you're doing like these beastly ones. Like there are some that history podcasts that are like 
eight, 12 hours where it's like, yeah, one a month is like going to be all you need. But like most podcasts, you need minimum one a week. So like I kind of still get that of like you still got to always have content that's consumable. Do you listen to uh, Joe Rogan ever? I used to be a bigger fan of Joe. When he moved to Spotify, I kind of, I don't know, there's something, it felt like something changed personally. Like, uh, but the odd one depends on who he interviews. I'll, I'll check out. Yes, that's very true. I guess the reason I brought him up is I feel like that he personified with his podcast, just putting out so many hours, kind of the model of like, and, and he was early, right? Like he did podcasts, I think somewhat early on to the blowing up of podcasts. Um, but just putting your head down, it's kind of like Lil Wayne with mixtapes. It's like, bro, I'm just going to fucking work until you see the full picture. And that's how I feel that what I'm set to do and about to do with music is like, I'm going to just do shit and put shit out. Cause I'm, I know what I am. You've got to just build out of that base of confidence and I'm going to do it in, in mass is not so much bulk that it stretches me thin that, you know, that Joe Rogan's on the podcast being like, yeah, what's up? Not so much bulk that it's low quality, but that, that, that balance where it's a lot of bulk, but the highest quality, because you have to tell motherfuckers today to pay attention to you. You have to show them why. And you, people have a lot of facets. So if you just catch one of me, one of Canyon, you may be missing the other facets of me where I'm a little bit more, you know, determined or silly or lighthearted or, you know, funny or wise, or I give good advice or whatever. Like, you know, there's, there's a bunch of different modes that everybody gets in. Um, so that's why you got to just put shit out. Like, you know, I put out a, a snippet the other day. It was like more hard rap, kind of more 90 shit. I had different people fucking with that. than when I put out the song friends, you were talking about when I put out friends, I had a lot of girls hitting me up girls like that song a lot. And, you know, they were like, wow, I really, and then people I'd never spoken to, um, and you know, follow me and shit. So I'm going to show who I am. I'm not going to be like, yo, they like that. I'm a nineties rapper. Here, good. Here's 90 more songs of that. Fuck that. I'm a multifaceted person. And the more that the light is shown on that, the higher probability. And in my opinion, hundred percent probability, if the light fully gets shown that people are going to fuck with it at the level that it deserves or, you know, or whatever, at least at a level that is right. Because I think that it's a good product I'm putting out being my artistry, not just a song. And if you hear the different building blocks that eventually you're going to step back and be like, Oh shit, this guy's crazy talented. So that's what it's all about. I think. Well, I think that's a good message for most artists is like, you, you got it. You got to represent yourself. And I think that's like, whatever that looks like, as long as you're proud of like how you represent yourself. And I think that's at the end of the day, when you look back on anyone's career, you hope that most artists feel that way of like, they just look back and they're like, I did my best. I represented myself the best way I could. Whatever happened, happened. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, and you know, some people want that and some people that they would hear you there and be like, yeah, man, but it's all about winning. And like, you know, so like some, so I w I'm with you. I want people to be pure. And then but some people are like, nah, I want them to make pop hits and I want them to, you know, be the biggest star in the world. And, and that's their barometer of success. So it's just kind of how you look at things. But I, like we've been talking about this whole time. It's like, I believe that that, that, that real side of things where people want real shit is a counterculture that is building steam. And I think it's going to continue to build steam. And I think that real hip hop will never go away ever. Like the people with the bars, 
there, there, it's not a generational thing. You know, you could be 15, you could be 47, you could be, like, I, you know, I look at kind of like the data of my shit, especially cause I'm coming out with songs with Raekwon and Jada kiss and big crit. And that's, those are different eras. Um, but the ages are all over the map, man. You know, like there are kids who like Jada kiss. There are older people who like, um, you know, big crit, maybe even people who are a lot older than big crit, like a 60 year old. It's timeless. And that is what I'm striving for. That's what I'm, that's why I say it's a foundation because I'm building that timeless foundation where we go from here. I think people will understand more as I come out with more music, but I think listen to punches, like you will get kind of the foundation. I think it's the kind of thing you listen to a few times and fully ingest, especially some of those songs are like really deep and the wordplay is kind of deep and what it means. And yeah, I think once you go through that journey, but then we, there's going to be a lot more stuff. So I think it's, it's kind of all about having that substance because if I came out with an album where I'm just like, I do the drug to the bitch. She on the top of my shit. It's like, Oh cool. Can't wait to hear what this guy says next. Like gives a fuck, you know, like that guy, you know, substance is the backing for everything that, that matters. Not going to lie. Would, would, it would be impressive to see you do that as well. I always like seeing the range of every artist, but like, I'm gonna I'm gonna do some shit like that. But but like you know when Drake does like you know Jumpman by Drake or like Versace, yeah. yeah, he did that. But like he had some I'd have to look at the lyrics, but he had some words in there that were like not what you typically heard on those trap songs. It was like a little bit more, um, I don't know, first creativity with like some of the words that are used and some of the like the the phrases he uses in those verses are a little different than you're used to hearing on those verses. So. When I do shit like that, which I will, it's going to be like my own take on it. It's not going to be like, oh, cool. Canyon made a fucking like future song. No, it's going to, and there's nothing wrong with that. Future's great, but I'm not going to make a future song. I'm going to make a Canyon song on those kind of beats. And it's going to be different kind of with my own take and my own style. Because yeah, you're right. People want to hear that shit, but it can't be like, oh, you just heard that beat and you just started rapping like them. Like, fuck that, bro. Like, you're not an artist. You're like an actor. Yeah. Well, being a biter is the worst thing you can be in hip hop. Just copying somebody else's style. Yeah, I agree. Well, this leads perfectly into my last question for you. Um, it's the only question I plan uh, on the podcast. And Are you still for an hour? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that, that's it. But I think that's why, like people, people have always asked me as well, like, how do you just not plan? And I'm like, what do you mean? I talk to people every day without planning, and to be honest. The reason I don't plan is because it makes it impossible for you to plan because like part of what makes my this fun for me is like I'm figuring stuff out. I will ask you the next question of like whatever journey we go around, like we'll find random shit to talk about and that's kind of the fun for me. But this is the the, the exception to the rule. Um, okay. <laughs> if, you, if you had to recommend one album, for everybody to listen to at least once to get an appreciation of cannot be your own music can be any genre of music. What would it be? Okay. Uh, I answered something like this recently. It was like, if I'm on a, a desert Island, what would I listen to? Yeah. And fuck my, that song. I'm talking about for everyone. I'm talking about like, you know, what, cause I'm not talking about the best album. I'm talking about the, the album you think people should appreciate, like something that everybody should you know, just listen to, appreciate, and something that you think will kind of drive them forward in a way. My album. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I've had that so many times. Album. No other <laughs> albums. No. Um, and it's an EP, I think, technically. I guess it's uh, 
I the other day I'm not gonna go with this answer again. I think everyone should listen to "Swimming" by Mac Miller. I mean, everyone should listen to "Garrett Should I Try Him," but I feel like they have. Um, but I really like "Swimming" by Mac Miller because he dies right after it, and in my opinion, it's like it's deeper than music because of that. When I'm listening and hearing him say things, I can't think of specific lines right now about like kind of holding on and stuff like that. I'm like, damn, you're like you really like this. This is like this is like the, what you did before you you died. You overdosed. Obviously, he didn't plan to overdose. He, took, he was given fentanyl. But that album to me, I think, is just a beautiful, beautiful. I mean, the next album, Circles, after it's really good too. But I think Swimming, like it's groovy. It sounds like an eight. Like we're talking about timeless. Like there's like some songs that are like you could love it, you could leave it. It's like an '80s vibe, and I think that like Mac, you know, like whether people like Mac or not, I actually didn't love Mac Miller's music like growing up that much. Um, but to me, when an artist hits his pinnacle, or her pinnacle, or their pinnacle, that is a special thing to see. If they're talented, and he is talented, and he hit his pinnacle, and I think he made timeless music, and I think it got appreciated. Like I, its reviews are really good. Swimming, everyone knows Swimming's a good album, but like I don't think most people have listened to it. I'd say that. So yeah, that one. Uh, and then the other one I said last time was like, I, it's a, I'm not even trying to say this word. It came out after this rapper died, but I love, I love loyal to the game by Tupac. It was, I was like eight when I heard that shit and it came out after he died, but it's, if you don't, if you're like one of those people who's like, yeah, you know, I don't really listen to Tupac. I'm more of like a big guy or Nas guy, you know, because you like heard changes or California love. Like, and it just didn't, that album, in my opinion, is like the most moderate because it came out after he died. They did things. It's kind of like June and Eminem. Like that is a good intro to Tupac because then you'll hear him kind of in more of a modern, you know, capturing. And you'll be like, okay, I can kind of assess this next to other rappers. I think that album's awesome. And then the Carter Three by Lil Wayne is just super classic. Everyone got some pro- some work to do, some projects to listen to. Um, obviously, the first one you should listen to is Punches, though, by the, and then you can listen to the other three. Um, obviously, Canyon came through. Appreciate you, you coming on. I always love speaking to to artists such as yourself. Really genuine and you know really ready to to shoot it up. But um, for everyone, uh, make sure you show them some love. Uh, as we said, Punches is out on every music platform. He's also got music videos for i think it was in the paint as well uh the music video is out for that as well you've got some like um animated music videos as well out there you're on tiktok freestyling um instagram as well am i freestyling though well we'll call it freestyle (laughs) because it's sexy (laughs) i got a lot of shit uh definitely go listen to punches follow me on instagram canyons official music all that good stuff thank you so much aaron i appreciate it we match too kind of I didn't mean to do this, but if you're watching this visually right now, me and Aaron accidentally match from across the globe at different times. So, Well, the odds are if you wear black, I'll probably be rocking black at some point. So um, it just it just works. But I do like the matching. Um, yeah, you know, visual stimulation other than audio is what we go for here on the Hip Hop Hustle podcast. <laughs> yeah, man. But thank you so much, Aaron. I, I really, I, I fuck with what you do, man. Like, you know, watching one and then doing one of these, I think this is going to go a long way. So I'm excited to be on, on the train, man. It's a dope fucking show. I enjoy, I've done a lot of shows. This is very enjoyable. Uh, and did I mention I have an album out? It's called Punches. I don't think I mentioned it. Uh, no, no, I don't think I listened to it. So. Yeah. <laughs> no. yeah, there. Then I said you're going to die. Didn't I say if you don't yeah. listen, you're going to die. Yeah. Uh, Jadakiss, Raekwon, Big Crit, Big Rube, Slim Thug, King Crooked, 
uh, check it out. It's a fucking Dizzy Wright. It's a sick album. I, I and I got a lot more. I'm definitely next. If you like bars, you'll like me. So let's fucking do it. Yeah, I already saved millennials into my one of my playlists. So definitely make sure make sure you check it out. And absolute pleasure, man. When you do a tour, we'll definitely have to shoot it up again. Yeah, man, for sure, for sure, real soon. Thank you. I appreciate this. Thanks for listening to the show. Please like and subscribe and follow me on Instagram at the underscore hip hop hustle for upcoming podcast news. Also, don't forget to check out my Patreon under hip hop hustle for exclusive content and to help support the show. Bye for now.